Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, I have joining me from across the pond, Mandy from Wild Oak Farms. Hello, Mandy. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming. And uh, so you've got a homestead over there in the States. I I forget which state you're in, uh, but maybe you could just uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on over there and whereabouts you are. Yes, uh, of course. Yes, we do. So we are in um, North. So right smack dab in the middle of the United States. It is very hot here right now. Um, Very, very hot. (laughs) Um, So we focus uh, on dairy goats, really. Um, It's kind of a a long backstory and I won't bore you with, with everything, but, you know, homesteading has always um, not, not been in my blood, but in my bones. That's what I like to say. So it's always been a place. Um, I knew that this where is where I was going to end up. I did not grow up in a farming family or a homesteading family. I grew up in the middle of the, but I found myself here about six years ago. Um, and like I said, we have a small herd of about 13 dairy goats from which we hand milk them every morning. It's my favorite chore. And then we have a lotion, a goat milk lotion and soap business. So that's kind of the main, I guess, piece to our farm. And then, you know, we have chickens for eggs. We have a big garden. Um, I have a horse. Uh, We have a dairy cow for milk consumption. So kind of everything that you, if you could, if you could like think of every animal, we, we probably have it. Great, great. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear, you, you've got a dairy cow, you've got 13 dairy goats that you milk every day. Yes. And so what prompted you to think, well, we need some milk? <laughs> yeah, let's get another uh, dairy animal. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? So she's actually, um, we have not bred her yet. She's just turned a year, um, just a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, obviously, the goal is to have milk. Um, most, I would say, gosh, 90% of our goat milk goes to our business. So we have a few families that um, get milk for their kids who can't have cow milk locally. And then uh, we drink some and then, you know, bake with some, but most of it goes into our business and we buy raw milk from another local farm, cow milk. So I said, well, I think that we should just have our own cow. Sure, sure. So, so what, I'm just curious. I'm really curious about this because we've, um, where we live at the moment, we're not able to have goats right now. We're hoping to get some very soon. But um, we had milking goats where we lived before, and we used to milk at most two at a time, and that would give us far more milk oh, yeah. than than we ever needed. I'm just curious as to why you are choosing to seek out cow's milk instead of, you know, and I'm just. I'm not trying to 
well, I, I am trying to second guess where you are, if, if you like. But, you know, obviously <laughs> the, the idea of adding or throwing in one or two more milking goats is going to increase your workload and the demand on your yes. sort of land a lot less than introducing a whole nother animal. So what, yeah. what what's the what's the desire to get the, the cow's milk? Uh, butter. <laughs> yeah. If we're totally honest. Just, yeah, just the byproducts of the milk. Sure. I mean, obviously drinking it, but then um, butter, yogurt, all of those things. And um, yeah, I mean, it, we, my family, I had to kind of convince them to drink the goat milk sometimes. You know, right. we'll do like a side by side test. I will have cow, yeah. cow milk and goat milk, and I'm like, here, you know, and not tell them and drink it. And most of the time they can't tell. So yep. it proves that point very well. But um, you're right, it does increase the workload and it increases the demand on land. Um, we do a lot of pasture rotation and things like that, but, um, it is, it's a, it's a whole nother level of commitment when you talk about homesteading to add, have a dairy animal, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I, I can, I can picture exactly what you're saying because i've been exactly in those positions sometimes trying to get my family to drink goat's milk and we, <laughs> we you know we, we went for a period when that was all of our dairy so we would use it to make ice cream and make yogurt yeah. and things things like that but the, like you said the one area that it's not that easy is butter butter is so much easier with cow's milk isn't it mm -hmm. yes it yeah. is yeah okay cool so uh what else have you got going on there you've got your dairy animals and mm -hmm. how big's your piece of land what are you growing um, well, we have, um, own, and then we lease a little bit of our neighbor's pasture. So we have just over, or we're sitting on just over about seven acres. So not, a, um, but you know, when we talk about the things that we do and, and just talking to the homesteading community and people that want a homestead, I'm sure you would agree. You can do so much on really just a few acres if you manage it appropriately. Now you, know, you get a cow and things like that and you need a little bit more space. But if we're specifically talking about dairy goats and some chickens in a garden, mm -hmm. you can do all of that on a couple of acres if it's well managed. So we, sure. um, the dairy goats and, and the animals. And then, I mean, really it's just, we have a garden. Um, we, we garden in raised beds. So here in Missouri, we have a lot of clay soil. So um, we made the choice many years ago to build, um, I think that we have 42 raised beds. So it's, it's a big garden. And I feel like sometimes, especially right now, getting into our big, you know, summer season, it feels kind of like a full-time job, but that is really, um, I don't know. It's where my heart is. It's so fun to be able to see a seed grow into food. And then we have a little roadside stand um, at our driveway. That's kind of just an on your honor stand. Um, and we just put food in there for anybody who's driving by that maybe just wants to stop. And if we're outside, we love to meet people and talk with them. But um that's yeah. So the, the the animals, the garden, and then our business that keeps us pretty busy. Nice, perfect. And uh, I, I'm really interested. One of the things that I did want to touch on with you is you've got a beautiful sign, or you did have at yeah. one point. I'm not sure if it's still there. About uh, I'm, I'm gonna butcher the the phrasing of it, but basically saying sort of take what you need, neither pay for it or pay it forward. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So it. It's just a way that we, you know, we wanted to build a community. So it's a sign in, and I might butcher it too, because I'm not, I'm not right in front of it, but essentially it says, 
take what you need um, or take what you want, but not more than you need. So whether that's food or, you know, we put eggs out there and, um, you know, we do sell our eggs, but if somebody needs them, then great, you can have them. And then maybe just, you know, do something kind for somebody down the road. Um, Cause that's really the, <laughs> you know, that's really what it's all about. And if I, if I go off on a huge tangent or I could, and I won't, um, (laughs) this is all about, it's all about community. And I don't think anybody really gets into homesteading. Now, if you have a business and you do other things like that, then that's a whole different situation, but you're, we're not making a lot of money by selling eggs, right? That's, that's not a secret. So it's not that we decided to start selling our eggs or selling our tomatoes in order to supplement income. It's really just a way to build community, you know, have food for our table and we grow extra to give to other people, you know, whether they don't have the ability to have a garden where they are or, you know, their garden wasn't thriving or they can't afford good food at the farmer's market, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah. So that's, that we do, we do have that. And then there's just a little box out there and you can pay or you don't have to pay. And either way is great. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. And we did something a little bit similar, but we did it for a very selfish reason. And uh, it, it was because my wife used to get really, really angry about people stealing about theft because we used to sell eggs at the side of the road. And we just changed the sign. We just changed the wording on the sign. So the wording just changed to, you know, if you can't afford to pay for it, then, you know, leave what you can or, yeah. or whatever. And it, it was, it was selfish because what it meant was we didn't have to be angry about theft anymore because there wasn't any threat theft that that problem just evaporated overnight. And it was uh, yeah, a really uh, like a relief if you like. Yeah. And I think it kind of just sends, um, you know, a, a little bit of a, a different message that, hey, we're, we're all in this together and, um, you know, sharing a little piece of our paradise with anybody who stops by. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. So do you live in a, how, how sort of isolated is your homestead? How rural are you? How um, urban are you? We are, um, we're about 25 miles away from the biggest city. So Kansas City, Missouri, so not too far, but um, I guess far enough, if you will. So mm-hmm. we are little town. Well, I say little. I mean, there are there are littler, but we have a population of about I don't know ten thousand. So it's actually pretty big. It's not super duper small, um, but it is it is small in feeling. Um, I mean, you know, people know people. They show up for people, things like that. But we're not we're not too far away from what one would call you know a big city. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you get quite, you get quite a lot of sort of passing traffic if you like. Yeah, we have, we live on off of like a, a maybe I'll say just a little bit of a busier thoroughfare and there's some state parks right down the road and things like that. So um, yeah, our, our road or our roads are decently trafficked and it's pretty, I would say populated for a rural community. You know, people are, spread out but there are a lot of us you know I can see our neighbors on one side and so it's not like we're in the middle of nowhere um but we are I would say in the sweet spot you know far enough out to where we can have our own little you know life and it's a little bit more private and then close enough to things if we needed to get to things yeah 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 and uh, so, so it's just the two of you there there's no no you don't have any children it's just the two of you 
Correct. Yeah, no children yet. It's definitely, you know, <laughs> we figured we'd start with this and then work our way up. So that's a, yeah. But yes, it's just the two of us, my spouse, Casey, um, they're a nurse. So yep. Casey is at the hospital five days a week um, and doing a lot of stuff there at an academic hospital. And I, um, and then we, you know, have the business together and I kind of run the homestead. Great. And so, so how did you get into making lotions and soaps and things from goat's milk? What did that path look like? You know, um, pretty straightforward, I feel like. So in, um, I think a lot of people probably would, would agree. I mean, we have all these animals on our homesteads or our farms, and I am a huge, or we are a huge proponent. We want them to have a purpose, and even better if they have multiple purposes, right? There are pets. We love them so much. I mean, all the goats have names. We, we baby them. They get, you know, graham cracker treats and things like that all the time, but they also are, we, we're business partners with them. So I wanted goats many years ago. This was long before I was married, and, you know, I was single, and I knew that that was going to be homesteading and that was the the goal or the dream so I got goats and then I was like well what can I do you know we can drink the milk we can make yogurt or make goat cheese but what else and so I started making soap um and I was like okay what can I do next and we started to make lotion and then it really kind of snowballed from there we were just doing it for our family and then you know one thing led to another and I think that as a society we look at so much about what we are eating, you know, we grow our own food, or we're trying to be healthy, you know, cut back on sugar, or whatever it is. But we don't always talk about what we're putting on our bodies. So then I started to look at our lotion labels, you know, we were spending however much money on, you know, top of the line lotion and had a lot of ingredients that we couldn't even read. So I, um, I have a science background, so I spent almost a year in our kitchen just trying to figure out the best formulation, if you will, of goat milk lotion um, or, you know, getting our recipe down. And then we started to bring it to the world. And it's kind of just, yeah, like I said, snowballed or, or definitely escalated from there. Yeah. So it, it's just a situation where we want to be able to to – employ our goats and have them have a job and help us it's like a symbiotic relationship I think that's kind of what you know the whole goal of our homestead life or this journey is to you know you give back to the land you give back to your animals the land gives to you the animals give to you and it's just a really good relationship so what, what sort of what other ingredients go into your lotions other than goat's milk um, there is also some water, um, but that's, you know, obviously in, in all lotion formulations. And then we have, we only have eight ingredients. So that's what, I mean, that's just something that we're super proud of because you can read them all. Everybody knows what they are. And then you, you know, you can feel confident putting it all over your body or your, your, your baby's body. Um, so coconut oil, um, cocoa butter, shea butter, and then some emulsifying waxes, which are, you know, in lotions to make them stable. And then there's a preservative. Um, so that because we're obviously putting milk. And so that's how goat milk lotions are made across the world. You have to add a preservative so that it's shelf stable. Um, and then if there's a fragrance, we'll put a fragrance oil in it. So that's, that's it. Um, and goat milk itself is is very good for our skin. So it's the closest thing that matches our natural pH. 
pigments on our skin. So when we put that on our skin, um, it, it doesn't disrupt the microbiome that are not, you know, our natural microbiome of our skin. That's why, you know, a lot of people use it if they have eczema, things like that, or some skin conditions. That's it. Fantastic. And, and, yeah. and, and how did you, I think one of the things that people struggle with, I think there's two things when people find themselves in a position where they've decided they want to have a homestead, they're not mm-hmm. really sure what that looks like yet, but they want to have a homestead. And as part of that, they've got this idea that they want their homestead to bring in some kind of income. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really great. That's a great start, but then they can fall down really one is that they they have all these amazing ideas but they don't necessarily execute on any one particular idea so they're you know selling a few seed starts at the side of the road a few eggs at the side of the road they're making goat's cheese they're making different products but not really focusing on on one necessarily or one sort of and the second one is actually finding a market for them. So how did you find a market for your product? How did you go about going moving from someone who was just in the in the idea of making this stuff to actually being able to start making an income from it? Yeah, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with both of those. We are we're also guilty of trying to do like everything at once and that's not necessarily where we're going to be successful. So um, you know, in, in getting some coaching from friends and just like, uh, essentially building a brand, if you will, that that's what it is. You know, we're selling a product, whatever it is, whether you wrote a book or you're selling soap or you're selling shirts or whatever it is, you know, from, from your homestead, your eggs, um, it is just making that connection with people, sharing your story and being super authentic and showing up every day and, you know, not just showing the pretty things, showing when things go wrong. And then, uh, we're proud of what we've created. And so I think that, um, or I hope that people can see that. And I think that's where a lot of us I mean, it took me a while to get to that point, right? You know, you put your face on social media or wherever it is all day, and it can be very intimidating. Um, but I've met a lot of good friends on social media. Social media is not all bad. And so when you are able to connect with people, like-minded people, and share your story and share, you know, your background and where you came from and um, why you're so proud of whatever it is that you're trying to talk about, that's where I think you get that real connection with people. And then, um, you know, and then they try our lotion using that as an example and it, they love it. And so they come back for more and we've just kind of developed a bunch of really good friendships that way. So I would say you're, you're selling your product, but you're really kind of like selling your story. You're not actually selling a good, you know, if you build community and you build relationships with people, it's going to, um, it's not necessarily the goods that you're selling, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or the, or the good that you are selling isn't necessarily the product you can touch. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say before we before we move away from this, I just want to in case there was any ambiguity at all, I am the most guilty in the world for doing all the different things. (laughs) I know. I know. uh, Yeah. All the different things. 
Hi guys, I'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it. If you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation, there's lots of ways you can do it. One of the easiest of which is just to talk about it, to share it online, on your social media pages or with friends. By growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable. If you'd like to support it more directly, then please consider becoming a patron. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated. Is the is the goal that like the long term goal to develop that business and have that be your income, or is or is it just always going to be part of a bigger picture? And I'm thinking of you know is is Casey's dream to be at home full time with you, yeah. or does Casey always want to work? What's the so and and where does the the goat milk lotion fit into that that picture? Um, I think that the goal will be that it will be full time. Um, I mean that's a I don't want to say it's a steep goal. I think that's very attainable. Um, we're working really hard for that to be the goal. So I also had a outside, um, I'm doing air quotes, you know, outside the homestead job. Yeah. Um, and I have recently left that job to make the, our business, my full-time job because of the growth. So, I mean, isn't that, isn't that, I mean, I, I don't want to say, isn't that everybody's dream? Cause maybe it's not, and that's great and fine, but that would be, um, our dream. Um, mm-hmm. so I think we're shooting for that maybe three to five years down the road. Awesome. And it sounds like you're on track. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. So, so whereabouts are your products going? Are you shipping to like stores Are stores stocking it or are they all individual sales through a website or how are your, how do your sales look? Um, most of them are just e-commerce online. So through our website, but we, we ship worldwide. So I could send you some across the pond. Um, and then, uh, we are in some local stores and have some wholesale just, you know, in our local Kansas city, you know, community. Um, but I would say most of it, probably 90% of it is just through online sales. Great. Great. So, uh, with, with the future looking like it's you know moving in the right direction and and obviously none of these things are happenstance they're all the the product of a lot of hard work and and dedication and sweat and tears i've no doubt but uh what's the the do, do you have a goal to introduce any new lines to what you're selling or are you just focusing on the thing you already do I would say the latter. I mean, it kind of goes back to what you said about we're also guilty of trying to do so many things and we just, you can't, like you can't be good at everything and that is absolutely okay. So yeah. I think that we are going to just focus on goat milk lotion and we make some soap and then we, you know, have some other partnerships with some stuff, but that will be, that will be our main business going forward, you know, expanding our herd. We would love to, um, you know, have a warehouse, if you will, you know, or a workshop, 
um, like a separate building, you know, goals like that have a situation where folks can send back their jars um, so that we're recycling the jars. I mean, they can, anybody who buys it, can, they're glass jars, so they can be recycled. You can use them for anything. But, you know, having a program like that to just keep uh, evolving and being more sustainable. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the reason I asked that question was really to ask, um, what is the goal for, you know, the, the, the goats? Is it is the plan to, or is the goal to just increase the number of goats you have on the property at the moment? Or would you need somewhere bigger to expand much more? we would need somewhere bigger so that, yeah, we would, we would, if we expand or when we continue to expand, we will look to, we'll stay in our area. My parents are really close to us. We're very close with my family. Um, but we would find, you know, some more land and have a little bit more, um, you know, a different milk room or milk room is, uh, I'm, I'm obviously milk one goat at a time right now. So a situation where we maybe could do two or three at a time and, and things like that. So it's, it's also exciting to think about. Um, and I think it's important to maybe note that it's a, you can do it too. Anybody that's listening. I mean, I started from square zero with <laughs> three, three goats and I actually had Nigerian dwarfs at first and then I quickly realized I did not like that breed so I switched to Nubians and then it's just kind of you know it doesn't happen overnight it's been about six years to get to this point where we're able to you know your homestead actually is you know half of our income so that's fantastic yeah um so why don't you like Nigerian dwarfs I've never had them myself (laughs) Oh, they're very ornery. I mean, goats are very ornery at baseline. Um, people <laughs> sometimes people will laugh and they're like, oh my gosh, you have so many goats. And I'm like, well, we really don't have that many, especially when you talk about needing them for, you know, a, a, a big purpose. But it is a love-hate relationship on a daily basis uh, with, with goats. So Nubians, in my opinion, uh, are just a little bit more docile. They're a little bit more like easygoing and friendly and Nigerian dwarfs I feel like are like ping pong balls all over the place (laughs) oh I do I love goats I just absolutely love everything about goats um do do your goats have names oh yes they definitely have names brilliant brilliant so you've got 13 at the moment and is that 13 females or is it 12 females and and a billy how's your setup yeah so we the 13 actually includes um four of the kids that we are keeping from this year and then we have one buck correct so actually only and then one that was not bred so we're actually i'm milking i milk six does every mm-hmm. day yeah so what's your what's your breeding program looking like going forwards if you've got one buck and that buck is obviously the father of four of what will you will hope to include in your breeding in your milking herd what's your breeding yeah. program looking like going forward he actually is not. So we purchased him separately. Oh, okay. At a different buck. Yeah, for that very purpose. Um, so we'll keep the same buck and then, you know, quote unquote, retire him, meaning he just stays here and then doesn't, is, is not used or is maybe only used or, you know, people will rent them. I mean, honestly, if we're, if we're being totally honest. Yeah. Um, but we got him from a completely separate herd um, a couple states away, actually, just so our genetics don't cross at all. Perfect. Perfect. And um, so with 13, what sort of size pasture have you got them on at the moment? 
The goats are on about three acres. Um, oh, loads of room. Yeah, which is which is plenty. The cow lives with them right now too, and yep. then our other pasture is about two acres that we will we can ro you know rest one and then rotate yep. them off. But yeah, goats, um, like you know, they they're browsers. They are not grazers, so yep. they don't they don't eat down the grass very well. They just eat the weeds, so they have plenty of forage out there. That's great. That's great. And uh, have you had many escapes? Have you had many problems with fencing and that kind of thing? You know, we've lived and we've learned. So um, we now have an electric fence. That's the, the best way that we have found to, well, we have livestock guardian dogs as well. So that's a whole nother level of escapees, right? But um, the electric fence is safe for everybody so it keeps them from climbing on it and ruining the fence and it keeps them from escaping and in our neck of the woods and we talk about like finances it's actually cheaper to do electric fence versus like a woven wire fence um no escapees uh as of recent but there there have been some in years past yeah 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 and and you've just mentioned you've got guardian dogs it's not something yeah. we really hear of over here in the uk oh, i mean really? they, yeah they they do exist but almost no I, I don't know anyone and i've never come across anyone who knows someone who's who's got one but obviously i'm aware of the the idea of them from the internet these days but yeah. what bre what breed do you have we actually have four um okay. and they are great pyrenees and then we have um a couple that are great pyrenees anatolian shepherd cross so they're the heart of our farm i mean when you talk about loving an animal or depending on an animal that's that's the dogs they they work tirelessly to keep you know any any predator or anything like that away and they keep i mean it's it's a we could talk for hours about the dogs. It's a very special bond that, you know, between human and dog, it's everybody knows that that bond is special. I do think that when you have a specific breed, especially like a working dog that, you know, you depend on them just as much as they depend on us. I probably depend on them a little bit more. Um, it is very much a partnership and they have jobs and it is, is a very cool relationship. Yeah. So, so do they live with the goats rather they than do. in the house? They do. Yeah. So they have never, ever been in our house. Yeah. Not, not even as puppies. Yeah. They were, um, they're born, you know, in respected barns, you know, wherever, wherever they were, um, born. And then when they come here, we have them in a stall, you know, as they grow and you train them and you know, all of that stuff. But yeah, they live outside to, you know, 24 seven. And and my understanding is that they see the goats as part of their pack rather than yeah. you as part of their pack. Is that right? Yeah. Or, so or are you part of the pack as well? Explain that to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely part of the pack. We are part of the pack. Anybody. Um, but like, for example, if you came over, yeah, um, they would not they would not think that you were part of the pack. They're not going to attack you by any means. They would alert that they would alert me that something is something is off here. Something, you know, is is wrong. So it's always a situation when we have people over. Our dogs are so kind. They're so, so nice. And they love they love strangers. Right. Mm -hmm. But I I'm always with 
a stranger or a new person meeting for the first time. So essentially the, the best way to describe it is they have to know that that person or that animal, whatever it is, that they're safe. So it's okay that they're here. And if, you know, our neighbor's dogs get out, it is, they, they do not like that. They will alert about <laughs> that. just like they would alert, you know, if coyotes or anything like that. Um, it is, they, they very much see the goats and their people and anything that's here, you know, the birds as they're all one family. And so it is a, it's a very tight knit relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm a very much a dog person. What yeah. sort of what sort of predators do you have out there that the dogs are, you know, basically doing the job of seeing off? Our main threats are coyotes and bobcats for the larger, um, for like the goats. Um, and then we have bald eagles are probably the biggest thing for our chickens and our ducks. And so it is so interesting when you talk about the different dogs, just our different dogs and their different personalities. We have one dog that we call him our aerial dog. So he doesn't necessarily patrol the pastures as much. You know, they will like walk and things like that. He alerts all the time when there's a hawk or a bald eagle or something like that. Whereas another one of our dogs, they don't look at the sky at all. So mm -hmm. they definitely share, you know, responsibilities. Um, but the biggest predators are, are coyotes and, and bobcats. I mean, we have a possums and raccoons that obviously won't do anything to the goats, but they fox, you know, those type of things that will get the, the poultry. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no bears or anything like that. That's other parts of the United yeah. States. Yeah. So do so do you have like separate dogs that some that live with your goats and some that live with your hens? Um, so the our setup is a little bit where like the the main barn and the we call it the the dairy pasture backs up to our chicken run. Um, and so it's kind of all intertwined. We have the ability to separate the birds if we want to, but they kind of all live together, if you will. Um, and so we got our first livestock guardian dog, um, like four and a half years ago. And before that we would find, you know, deceased birds or, you know, predator attacks or whatever it is. We had a really bad Fox problem. And that's an initially why I decided that we needed a dog. And ever since we brought home our very first dog, we have knock on wood, not lost, to my knowledge, any birds or anything to any predators. So they, they do their job. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So you, just talking about birds, have you had much uh, bird flu where you live in oh, Missouri? Gosh. Is that an issue at the moment? I was just, we were just talking to, I was talking to one of my friends, Angela, about it. Um, yesterday, actually, it's not, um, parts of the United States have been drastically impacted. Yes, not so much where we live. It's more coastal, um, just as yeah. the birds, you know, come and that's usually where they're going to land first. Yeah. Um, the only migratory birds we really see here in our neck of the woods uh, are Canadian geese. <laughs> um, we, and so... Uh, but very, very much in a, an alert situation, it's, I, I don't want to say it's died down. I mean, it's always there, right? It's just like different strains, you know, create different yeah. problems. Um, but it's not as bad as I think where you all are. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we we are just sort of coming out of the work. We tend to get hit in the winter because of the, the we get yeah. the migratory species that come here in the winter, <laughs> and and uh, that's when we get hit. And it's been it was been really bad this winter. It was bad last winter, um, and it's got worse. And I I, I think that uh, just because of the amount of it that's still around. I think this year is going to be even worse than last when when the really? winter comes again. Yeah, I could I could well be wrong. It's I'm, I'm I've really struggled and I've tried really hard to speak to someone from our government, uh, the the department of our government that deals with that, and and yeah. to, to someone who has sort of future projection model doesn't seem, seem to exist. So, uh, yeah, it's all huh. guesswork, but that's my guess. Yeah, I've talked to a couple people that live um you know overseas and they said that sometimes you all go into you know quote-unquote lockdown for you know six months at a time is that true yeah yeah we had chicken lockdown for six months this winter for sure which meant that basically if you keep poultry um by law you had to keep them either inside or as a minimum if you couldn't keep them inside you had to sort of net their enclosure to basically prevent interaction with wild birds we've uh, yeah we've had that the last two winters but this last one was uh, it started earlier and it ended later so it was uh, quite a, quite an ordeal gosh yeah that's not oh, i hope i hope it's not worse i hope it for you all yeah fingers crossed yeah. <laughs> um so is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to talk about mandy or not and don't feel under pressure to to say yes if there isn't Gosh, I don't know. I mean, this has just been so fun chatting with you. I think that we, I think that we covered it. I mean, I think it's important, you know, as we, I guess, sign off or or what have you. To, the message I always want people to know is, you can do this too, All right? I mean, we kind of sure. touched on a lot of things. Don't try and do everything all at once, and kind of find your you your passion and, and make it work for you and it's going to look so different for all of us um it's just such a journey it's a really fun place to be in to be able to learn all of these new things and experience them and then you know get your first chicken egg or grow your first tomato or whatever it is it never gets old it's always exciting yeah, for sure. And and so before we do go, Mandy, I, I've got three quick fire questions. I'm going to start doing this with all my guests. You're the first, though. So uh, <laughs> you, you're my inaugural quick fire subject. So I'm going to ask you, firstly, there are only three questions. They're really simple. If you could only grow one plant, which one would it be? Tomatoes. Hands if, down. If you, and I think I know the answer to the next one. If you could only keep one animal, which would it be? Ooh, gosh. I... I am going to have to say, I'm going to have to say the horse. We didn't even talk about wow. the horse. I know it's that love hate relationship with the goats, but you have to have them for a business. So it might be a close second. Yeah. And the horse just doesn't even lay eggs or anything. <laughs> Not as far as I know. <laughs> and finally, if you could send a text message to yourself five years ago, what would you say? Um, it's all going to be okay. You're going to make it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff. Well, thank you ever so much, Manny. Before we go, why don't you let people know where they can buy your lotions and find you online? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we're on, on social media on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. And our website is Wild Oak Farms Mo. So M-O, like Missouri. WildOakFarmsMo.com. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for your time, Mandy. And uh, good luck for the future. Thank you. You too. Take care.
This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.